Support for this podcast comes from Troy University, dedicated to teaching a new generation to lead change. Information on leadership opportunities available to students from day one is at troy.edu slash lead change. From Troy Public Radio, this is the Storyline book series from In Focus, and I'm Carolyn Hutchison. It's fitting that we talk about America's national symbol, the eagle, on National Eagle Day. Both bald and golden eagles have made a dramatic comeback after their numbers were decimated by DDT. Today, there are some 300,000 of these majestic birds, and you can see them at Lake Gunnersville State Park during Eagle Awareness Weekends, January 19th through February 4th. Now, joining us from Missoula, Montana, is Mike McTee, a geoscientist whose research has uncovered an alarming new threat to eagles. Mike is the author of the book, Wilted Wings, A Hunter's Fight for Eagles. Mike McTee, thank you so much for joining us here at Troy Public Radio. Thank you so much. Mike, you're a geoscientist and a wildlife researcher at Western Montana's MPG Ranch. What does this ranch do? We are a 15,000-acre conservation ranch where we have a bunch of researchers studying all sorts of things on the property. We'll study the fungi living in plants, and we'll study hummingbirds, and we look at the forage that elk might be eating. So it really runs the gamut. And some of these issues that you're studying, are we talking U.S. or worldwide or what? I would say that once we started putting GPS transmitters on raptors and other wildlife, we learned that what we're doing here can have consequences all over the continent. For instance, if we put a satellite tracker on a golden eagle and it migrates all the way up to the Arctic, all of a sudden we have this really distant connection or an osprey that flies to Cuba. So when you look at the ecology of the system, we're all connected. You are the author of a landmark book called Wilted Wings, A Hunter's Fight for Eagles. How are hunters involved in eagle conservation? Well, it comes on a bunch of different levels. First, eagles are scavengers. They're considered facultative scavengers, which means that they don't have to scavenge like a condor or a vulture. They can kill their own food. But if they're given the opportunity to eat, say, a road-killed carcass, they will. And hunters leave a lot of gut piles and carcasses out on the landscape. And I'm a hunter, so if I go and I harvest an elk or a deer in the woods, I'll leave stomach and intestines and all that offal that's inside, and then I take the meat home. Afterwards, an eagle can be eating that. So there's that connection. You told an emotional story in the prologue of your book. Can you share that story? Yeah, so about 40 minutes away from where I live in Missoula, Montana, there's a raptor rehabilitator. And in the fall and winter, she frequently receives golden and bald eagles that have experienced lead poisoning. And I went up there one day to see one of these golden eagles. It was in an infant's crib. And golden eagles, they can fly 200 miles out of the sky after an animal. They are some of the most regal animals you can imagine. Yet this thing could not move its wings. They were just laying there and its talons were clenched. And it was emitting this really soft chirp. It was just sad to see 
such an iconic predator rendered flightless and almost dead. What happened to it? That eagle ended up dying. From what? Lead poisoning. Friends of mine had actually been skiing up in the Blackfoot Valley, and they came across that eagle on a road. They noticed it couldn't fly, so they called a local biologist to find out if it was okay if they caught it to deliver it to the raptor rehabilitator. And what raptor rehabilitators try and do when they get an eagle that's poisoned by lead is they'll often first see if it's hydrated. And after that, they'll often run chelation therapy. And a chelator is this molecule that can bind to atoms like lead, and that can then be excreted. It's really hard on the bird, but it's what has to be done to get those lead levels down. But lead can cause permanent neurological damage. That can be hard to overcome. And in this case, the rehabilitator just couldn't get ahead of it, and that bird ended up dying. We've had news story after news story about lead's effect on human beings, and you're talking about this stuff getting into the food chain. A lot of people here in the South eat deer meat, for instance. There's a a big hunting culture here. What happens to the human when the human eats deer meat? And the deer was shot with a lead bullet. Yeah, so if I give a presentation about lead poisoning in wildlife, it doesn't matter if it's the middle schoolers, high schoolers, or a group of fly fishers. Everybody knows lead is not a health food. It's a lot like calcium in that it has a plus two charge. Lead can substitute for calcium in the body and end up in bones. It can end up in the brain. It can attack the nervous system. It's really bad news for kids. It can cause a reduction in IQ. It can cause aggressive behavior. It is an atom that has no known biological benefit. It's just all harm. And so hunters have been using lead bullets for a long time. I've used lead bullets. And the thing with lead bullets is once they hit an animal, they can be traveling two, 3,000 feet per second, and that's fast. And lead is a soft metal And little fragments of that lead can fly off and end up in game meat. It can end up in organs that a scavenger like an eagle might eat. So some of that can definitely end up on our dinner plates. You're talking about a big effect on America's national symbol, eagles, and a big effect on human health. As a scientist, you began researching lead and you did several studies And you found an alternative to lead bullets. What was that? Copper bullets are a really good substitute for lead bullets, and they've been around for about four decades. These days, they're known as premium bullets. They work really well. Copper bullets are a good substitute for lead bullets because copper is a hard metal. It doesn't blow apart like a lead bullet would when it hits an animal. They can mushroom really well like a lead bullet, but first, because they're not throwing a lot of fragments into game meat. They're not throwing fragments into the meat and organs that an eagle might consume. Scavengers aren't going to be eating that much copper. And even if they did eat that copper, copper is a lot less toxic than lead. Mike, we're running short of time, but before we leave page 43, there's a quote there that I'd like for you to share because it places eagles and their significance in American history. Can you share that? Yeah. Back when the Mayflower set anchor off New England's shore, the bald eagle population numbered between a quarter to a half million nationwide. Once the tentacles of European settlement stretched across the continent, bald eagles started facing a barrage of threats. They were shot for their feathers. They were shot to protect livestock. They were shot probably just because they perched too close to someone holding a gun. 
Waterways and wetlands were degraded and drained, stripping away habitat and prey. When ranchers and trappers laced carcasses with poison to kill wolves and coyotes, bald eagles also writhed in the dirt until their agonizing death. The crumbling bald eagle population elicited the Bald Eagle Protection Act of 1940. The act prohibited people from killing, selling, or basically disturbing bald eagles in any way, whether they were dead or alive. Well, Mike, this is part one of our two-part interview about your book, A Hunter's Fight for Eagles, Wilted Wings. I want to thank you for sharing your knowledge with us. And next time, we will tackle the organizations that are doing something to preserve these eagles and, by extension, preserve human health. Thank you, Carolyn. That was geoscientist and researcher Mike McTee, author of the book, Wilted Wings, A Hunter's Fight for Eagles. Next week, we'll bring you part two of his interview for our Storyline book series. Meanwhile, Lake Gunnersville State Park is making plans for its Eagle Awareness Weekends, January 19th through February 4th. And the website, allapark.com, has the details. Reminding you that today is National Eagle Day, otherwise known as Save the Eagles Day. Thanks for joining us today for In Focus, which is a podcast on NPR One or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Carolyn Hutchison, and this is listener-supported Troy Public Radio.